Morning, everybody. Can I just say, that's the best sermon intro video ever. That is like, every time, now it's been two, I say every time, it's been two weeks, right, that I've got up here to speak after that intro video, and I'm like, God, I better bring some energy now, or else, like, that's going to be a real letdown. That's so cool. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. My name's Chris. I'm the senior minister here at ABC, and I've got the privilege of taking us on in this series that we started together last week called Greater Reward. Uh, it's great to have you with us if you're online with us as well this morning. You are so welcome. Some of you have been joining in on the chat, and I'm going to use some of those answers that you gave to a question we were posing on the chat before the service started uh, in my talk today. Now, I don't know whether you ever get a bit down or a bit depressed about things that you would love to change in your life, but that you aren't able to, or it's not happening, or you're giving it a go and it's not quite working. Uh, I wonder if you ever get to that uh, sense of maybe at the beginning of a new year, like we're doing right now, writing down a list of all the things you'd like to be different in this new year, and it's pretty much the same list that you wrote last year, and nothing really changed, or you think about habits, you think, oh, I wish I could build this better habit, or I wish I could get out of that bad habit, I wish I could change that, and it's not quite working. I I think all of us probably have those things that we would love to change in our lives, those habits or those things that aren't changing that we'd like to see change. Maybe it's overeating, maybe it's smoking, maybe it's porn, uh, maybe it's uh, spending more time with God, maybe it's social media and perhaps doing a bit less of it and putting your phone down from time to time. Maybe it's to spend more time studying if you're a student or a young person and not getting so easily distracted. Maybe it's making more time in your life to spend with great friends. Maybe it's doing more as a family. Maybe it's getting a better work-life balance. Maybe it's not binge watching so much TV and doing some other kind of hobby. What is it that you would like to change that isn't changing? Or maybe you try it for a while and you do really well for the first week or two and then you slip back into old habits. Is it just me that experiences that kind of stuff? Probably all of us, right? And and we keep asking ourselves, why can't I change? Why can't something change? Why can't I choose most over what I want now? Why can't I choose things that are better for me in the long term versus the short term fix now? And that's what we're asking in this series. How can we find a way in our lives to choose what we want most over what we want now? And we launched into that last week. And through this three-part series, last week, today, and next week... We're going to be helping you and I find the tools we need to actually choose what we want most over what we want now. And we're being accompanied on this three-week journey by a guy called Paul. And Paul was one of the very first followers of Jesus some 2,000 years ago. He had this dramatic experience and encounter with God, and through that, He gave his life to kind of following a path that God laid out for him. And that involved starting churches, telling people about Jesus, writing letters to those churches, leading them, all these amazing journeys uh, all around the Mediterranean. And it's really thanks to Paul that we're here today, that the church exists, particularly in the Western world today, because he kind of launched into all of that following on from Jesus. And one of those uh, places that Paul visited and he wrote to was a place called Corinth in kind of ancient Greece. 
And uh, we're looking today at some stuff that Paul said to those people in Corinth that has to do with this whole idea of how can we really change. But this comes, this bit we're going to look at today comes in the context of Paul sharing with the people in Corinth what his kind of life mission now was, what his goal now was, what kind of God had led him uh, into. And he, he's saying in this kind of whole section, he's saying, look, I'm just going to tell you what God has me about these days. And he says, look, what God has asked me to do is to just try to clear all the obstacles that could be in the way of people coming to meet the Jesus that I've met. To kind of clear those obstacles out of the way, to to help people encounter and experience the life-transforming power of Jesus, which Paul says, I have experienced, and I want others to do it. And there's a kind of a, if you're around church, if you're not around church circles, this might not be quite such a famous quote, but if you've been around church circles for a while, he says this thing that's quite famous. He says, I have become all things to all people so that I might have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. I've kind of adapted myself to culture and to the people that I meet and all that kind of stuff, so I can have the opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And actually, he's echoing there, and I don't know whether he would have known it at this time, but he's echoing there the same kind of feeling that James, the half-brother of Jesus, had, because in the story of the church, there's this pivotal moment where there's this whole argument going on about who was Jesus really for? And James gets up in front of this big council in Jerusalem, and he says, it's my opinion that we should not make it difficult for people who are wanting to turn to God. We shouldn't make it difficult for people who are wanting to encounter Jesus or to help people meet Jesus. And and kind of James and Paul are right on the same page uh, here in their life mission that's become that. And that's interesting because that's something about who we want to be about as a church at ABC. If you want to know what we're about, we're, we're trying to follow people like Paul and James, and we're trying to help people find and follow Jesus, those who have never met him before. We're trying to remove all those obstacles and those barriers which so often are present in church life, in the language that we use, and the expectations that we have, and the behaviors that we seem to demand, all that kind of stuff. And we're saying, let's just remove all those obstacles and help people find Jesus. And then if we are already Jesus followers... We're trying to say we want to help those people who are already Jesus followers go further in their walk with him, find the tools and the things that they need to take next steps in that journey of faith that we're on. That's what we're about. And all of that is to say, by way of introduction, that this is the kind of context that Paul is now speaking out of. He's sharing this passion and this vision and this purpose that God has given to him. And out of that, he then says the things we're going to look at today. So in the context of all of that, he kicks off here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And he says, and he's expounding upon this race that God has given him to run. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run... But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul is saying, look, whatever the race is that you've been given, run it to win. Run it to get the prize. Don't go in half-heartedly. Go all in. And Paul's saying, look, I've been given this race to run, helping people find and follow Jesus. So I'm going to go after it with everything that I have, everything that I've got. I'm going to run to win. And Paul is saying to the people in Corinth that he's talking to, look, 
You have a race to run. Run it to win. Run with purpose. Go into training so that when you run, you've got a chance to succeed, to win. You know, if you're in training, and if you've been in training for anything, you know this, and Hannah was sharing with us on the This Week at ABC slot about the training that her and her family have been in. How amazing is that, by the way? Three years in, and she's already training for a black belt. That sounds pretty cool to me. It means we have somebody, because Hannah's uh, part of our staff team here, it means we have somebody on our staff team who can kill us with their little finger. I think that's what that means now. But that's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's what consistent training does. If you're going to run... Run to succeed, and that means training. If you're training to get fit or to lose weight or to break a habit, you know that it's so much easier if there's a purpose in mind. How much easier is it to be motivated to get into training when you know there's an end goal, when you know there's a reason why you're doing it? Paul is saying he's found a way to live with purpose. He's found something in Jesus that's going to be his mission And that's given him this race to run. It's given him this meaning and purpose. So he's running the race of his life to win with a purpose in mind. You know, I'm so convinced of this. I'm so convinced of this. You need a purpose and a mission to your life. We live life, we do life so much better when we have meaning and purpose. You know, one of the things I've been... a Church lead now for, I don't know, 24 years, something, something like that. And that means I've done a lot of funerals, which I know is a slightly depressing thing to talk about right now. But I've done a lot of funerals. And, and you know, you can tell when you're doing a funeral, even if you've never met the person, whether they have lived the life to the fullest possible extent. Because you can tell because of the things that are said and the stories that are told. And it's to do with the purpose and meaning that person has found, I often tell this story, I did a funeral many, many years ago now for a lady who you would never have imagined, this sounds awful to say, but you'd never have imagined she would have achieved much with her life by the world's standards. Very quiet, no money, lived not in poverty, but only just kind of making ends meet, her and her husband, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I knew her a bit, and then I was asked to do the talk at her funeral, and we unpacked with her family. And you know, over the years, they, her and her husband had fostered hundreds of children. And they, many of them came to this funeral. And it was utterly extraordinary. And you just thought, I just really struck me again. Here is a life that has been well lived. Here has been a race that has been well run. And you know, many of us are running our race, running our, the, the race of our life with these sorts of things in mind. Promotion at work trying to climb the career ladder, making more money, having more stuff. Come on. Is that really the race we want to run? Is that really the purpose we want to have for our lives with the one and only life we get to live? Is it those things we really want to orient our lives around? That's not winning. Paul had a purpose. And for many years, by the way, Paul had had an extraordinary purpose that was completely the wrong one. Paul had gone after persecuting Jesus' followers. He'd grown up and he'd done all this education to become a rabbi. And this was his purpose. And when people started to challenge that, these new Christians, these new Jesus followers, Paul was like, I am all in for rooting this out. And that was what he kind of had given his life to. And it was all wrong. And then he has this amazing encounter with Jesus. And things change. 
So I want to ask, do you have a purpose? Do you have a race that you're running? What does the finish line look like for you in your race? And is it worthy of the investment of your one and only life? And this whole racing metaphor that Paul's using here, this whole athletic metaphor here, was one that was well known to the people of Corinth because in Greece, every four years, they had the Olympic Games. And this was a massive athletic competition. But that wasn't all. In Corinth, every other year, they hosted the Isthmian Games. And uh, many of the, 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 the people, particularly some of the younger people growing up in Corinth, they went into training for these games to run the races or do the athletic events or whatever. And by the way, I found this out this week. This is an amazing thing. Poetry was one of the sports in the Isthmian Games. Can you believe that? Poetry was an athletic event. There's hope for some of us yet. It was a bit like when I was growing up, I grew up in a, in a town not too far away from here called Devizes, which is probably about 40 minutes drive away. My family are still there. And, and I remember growing up, every year in Devizes, there was an Eisteddfod. Does anybody remember Eisteddfods? Like competitions for school kids in music and drama and all this kind of stuff. And I looked it up this week, and they're still doing it. So in Devizes, you still have, there's still an Eisteddfod. And people go and they do drama and music and poetry. It was a bit like that, and I was rubbish at music, and I wasn't much good at anything else, but we used to do, we used to do communal poetry. Like, so it's like a choir, but they didn't want us to sing, probably for very good reasons. And so we kind of did this communal poetry, and we competed in the Eisteddfod, I remember. And that's a bit like these Isthmian games. There was all sorts of competitions and races and stuff, and there was poetry uh, events going on too. Now, that's a little bit of an aside, but I hope an interesting one. The point of all of that is that Paul was talking here to a bunch of people who understood competition. They understood athletic competition, and it was celebrated, and they celebrated the thrill of victory. And I want to say here, in our culture, we sometimes rationalize away the joy of winning. And I want to say, let's not rationalize away the joy of honoring God with our best. The joy that comes from running our race with the best that we can. We live in a culture that, that uses phrases like this. It's not the winning, it's the taking part that counts. We tell 80,000 people at Old Trafford or Twickenham or the Oval that it's not the winning, it's the taking part that counts. Now, I understand the sentiment. Please hear me. I'm not begrudging that. I'm not saying that's wrong. But sometimes we can use that as an excuse not to really try. And we mustn't rationalize away the joy that comes from giving our best. You know this. You and I know this. When we've given of our best, there's a joy and a satisfaction that comes from that, regardless of the outcome. But we've given our absolute best. We couldn't have done any more, and there's a satisfaction in that. So let's not rationalize the way the joy of giving our best to something. Because actually sometimes that can lead to laziness, and that's not a good thing. So let's look at what Paul got. So that was all to say, run as if we're winning. Run as if we want to win. Let's go on to what Paul says next in verse 25. Really hoping that's going to appear on the screen. Okay. Somebody needs to get me a Bible. Uh, okay. Let's have a... Talk amongst yourselves. I can't find a Bible. That's really bad. Hold on. Let's get. 
Somebody get me a Bible. Some of you right now, by the way, are saying, I knew it. I knew it. Verse 25, you're so kind, thank you very much. Uh, Verse 25 goes on to say, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, the prize that was given to these competitors in this race was a, a, a wreath made of pine. Uh, and, uh, and that was the kind of the, the crown that you got for winning in these Isthmian games. But it was made of pine, which degenerated, which didn't last very long. So Paul is saying, you know, when these athletes compete in these competitions, they get a prize, but it's a prize that fades away, that degenerates, that goes. Paul is saying, when you run God's race, there's something way better than that. It's a prize that lasts forever. That's what we're running. That's the race that those of us who Jesus followers are in. There's an eternal prize that's, that's waiting for us. So given all of that, given this kind of commendation to run the race, that there's a, a prize that will last forever that's so much better than any earthly prize, why so often aren't we making progress? Why aren't things changing? Why aren't we changing the things that we long to change? Why is that, given the prize? Well, the answer is this, I think. The answer is we've been trying too long. Let me explain what I mean by that. Why can't you and I change? Because we've been trying too long. Think about it for a moment. In the most important areas of our lives, in the things we are most passionate about, we've adopted this ideology of trying. Let's give some examples of that. So I'm trying to lose some weight. I'm trying to get fit. I'm trying to be a better parent. I'm trying to be a better husband or wife. I'm trying to be a better friend. I'm trying to study more. I'm trying to go deeper in my relationship with God. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to read the Bible. We've adopted this ideology of trying, but things aren't changing. Because it's, we've been trying for too long. We need a change of strategy. And Paul gives it to us. Because Paul says, stop trying and start training. That's what will really change things. Everyone, Paul says, who competes in these games goes into strict training. And there is a huge difference between trying and uh, training. And some of you have been joining in on the live chat. That's so helpful to expound this difference between trying and training. Training, some of you have been saying, requires preparation. Trying is like wishful thinking. Training is like taking action. And somebody else said that a dream is only a dream until actually it results in some action. Trying very rarely achieves consistent results training does. And Paul is exhorting us to go into training. See, what happens when we're trying is that we're trying to change something, but with minimal commitment. I'm trying. There's no real commitment there. It's just a bit of a kind of having a go. I'm hoping things might be different. It's a bit of a wish. It's a half-hearted effort. But training is really different to that. Training is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result. So what's the difference between training and trying? If you're trying, you're just hoping for a better result. But with training, 
You've got a plan and a strategy. There's an intentionality behind it. There's focus. There's a defined vision. There's a finish line. There's a purpose. And when we're training, so often we find it easy to give up when things get hard, when we don't feel like it. But when you're training, your feelings actually don't dictate what you do. You don't act according to your feelings. You act according to your commitment. And the word that Paul uses in the original Greek here that he'd have written this in for training is, um, I can't say this right, agnozimai. Please excuse my ancient Greek. Agnozimai, from which we get our word agony, hard work. It hurts sometimes when you're training. Those of you who have trained for an event or an athletic thing, you know this, it hurts sometimes. And this word means more than just hard work. It means contending for victory, working hard for an outcome, straining every nerve you've got to reach a goal. You know, when you're an athlete or a competitor, you're fighting for something that really matters. You have a vision and a dream, so you train really hard. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, you've been given a dream, you've been given a mission, a purpose, you've been given a spiritual assignment from God. And it's way more important than an athletic event or a race or a competition. And if we start to realize that and really allow that to sink down into ourselves, then trying rather than training will become unthinkable to us. We are running in a heavenly ordained race with a heavenly prize that lasts forever. We're not trying to honor God. We're in training to do and be what God created us to do and to be. And Paul echoes this elsewhere when he wrote to a young church leader called uh, Timothy. And he's talking to him about living a right life. And he says, train in godly living. Train to be godly. Not try, not give it a go, Tim, when you feel like it. Train. And here's a great definition of training I found this week, which I really love. Training is doing what I can today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. Training is doing what I can today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. There's a discipline and an intentionality to what Paul is saying. And he finishes by saying this, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Again, we come back to this purpose that Paul has in every step for his life. It's not futile. It's not like a boxer in a, in a boxing uh, bout who just swings wildly but only ever punches air. That's totally futile. Just beating the air, Paul says. That's not the kind of race I'm running. That's not the training I'm in and I want to be about. Paul is saying there is a purpose to his life and to his race. So I'm not going to run it aimlessly, Paul says. I'm going to run it with intentionality. Training is not a hopeful experiment. It's a deeper commitment driven by a deeper why. Training is not a hopeful experiment. It's a devoted commitment driven by a deeper why. So just think about this for our lives right now. We can try to have a better marriage 
Or we can be a great marriage in training. We can try to be a better parent. Or we can be a godly mum or a godly dad in training. We can try to be a young person that will have a great future. Or we can be in training to be someone with a great future. We can try to answer God's call, or we can be in training to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world. With God's help, we can choose what we want most over what we want now, but we need to train for it. And this change of mindset was an absolute game changer for Paul, and it can be an absolute game changer for us too. So I want to ask this, what's your finish line? What does winning look like in your race, the race that you want to run, the race that God is calling you to run? What's your purpose? Here's some, and by the way, only to give these by way of example, not in any way to hold these up, but here are some of what I think my race looks like, what I would like to look back over the race of my life and be able to say. I was a good husband, a great dad, an honorable friend, that I had memories and experiences that I loved and enjoyed and would talk and bore people about any time they'd let me. I was fit and healthy enough to have done all of those things. But most importantly of all, I want to live my life as a fully sold-out follower of the one who gave everything for me and to have lived my life as a much-loved son of my heavenly father. I want to have done my absolute best to have honored my heavenly father with my life and to have lived with a purpose and a passion for the things that God has called me to do. I think that's my race, my checkered flag. I want to ask, what's yours? Have you ever thought about it that way? Maybe you would do that this week. What's your race? And whatever your race is, I'm absolutely certain God wants to be a part of it. He wants to shape and direct and guide you in the race that he knows is best for you. So if you're not yet a Jesus follower, I just would love to invite you to invite God into your race. It will make your race better, I promise you, to have Jesus running it with you. If you are a Jesus follower, it was the last time you sat down with God and said, am I on the race that you want me to run? What does this look like? Are there things you would like to change? And whatever our race looks like, we all need to stop trying and start training. What does training look like for your race? What does training look like for you with that kind of finish line in mind? And what if you saw success as not what ultimately happened in the future, but what if success was honoring God in the day-to-day as you live and run your race with those kind of goals in mind? What if success was about the decisions that you made today with that longer-term goal in mind? And I want to encourage you to start making those decisions by identifying not only what is the race that you are being called to run, but what your training plan looks like. What are you wanting to change with that race in mind? And then think about what a training plan would look like, just like an athlete would write down a training plan, so they tell me anyway. Just like an athlete would do that. What does your training plan look like? 
What are the steps that you'd be taking? And when it comes to placing God at the center of our training, it starts by walking every day, as we said last week, in step with the Spirit of God, the presence of God, with Jesus walking alongside you in that race that you're running. And last week we gave out these fridge magnets which have a prayer on them. And if you didn't get one last week, there's still plenty in the basket in the lobby and we'd love for you to take these and put them up. And the prayer is this really simple prayer as we look to run our race and be in training in step with God. It's just this, God, fill me with your spirit so that I can choose most over what I want now, so that I can choose what I want most over what I want now. And that's the greater reward. That's the greater reward. Pray that prayer every day. Think about the race that you're running. Note down in a journal or wherever it is that you make notes what your training plan might look like for those things that God is calling you to do and to be. And then start walking in step with the Spirit of God as he leads you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these real-life human beings who, who had real-life stories and experiences and encounters with you. Thank you for the humanity of Paul, who just was like living his life in a completely wrong way, in a, in a wrong direction, but whose life you completely turned around and gave him a totally different race to run. Heavenly Father, help us to lean into you, to open ourselves up to you for the race it is you'd have us run. For those of us who've maybe kind of never opened ourselves that up to that before, who, who, who maybe are here because in some way we've tried as a church to remove some of the obstacles and barriers to people finding you and, and, and just exploring faith with you and what that looks like right now. Lord God, I ask that just open hearts to start to think about what it means to run the race of life with you for those people, I pray. And for those of us who've maybe trying, we've been trying to run the race with you maybe for a long time now, and we recognize that some things are good, but some things are, oh, we just need to change. Heavenly Father, help us to stop trying and start training. Lead us and guide us, I pray. And, and even in these moments now where we're praying and then we're going to worship you in just a minute, that just speak into our minds and our hearts the things that you would call us to change about the, the race we're running right now and the things you would have us go into training for. Inspire us, I pray, Lord God. May this season of our lives be different as we stop trying and start training, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.